Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all of your questions from the week in European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Nikki Bandini. Straight away, this one from Michael. You're going to like this, Nikki. Did Arsenal... <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what's coming. Did Arsenal underestimate Porto? Thanks, Dutton. You're Thank welcome. You. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if Arsenal underestimated Porto. I think the English uh, media certainly underestimated Porto. Um, whether or not Arsenal um, were undone by underestimating them or simply just not being creative enough is is a um, is a a more involved question. I, I think there certainly um, has been a, a complacency in the atmosphere that Arsenal are doing well in the Premier League. And I think there's this inevitable Premier League confidence born from being richer than everyone else. Well, they're, they're, but... As they were coming out yesterday, didn't Darren Fletcher say on TNT Sport, one of the absolute favourites for the, the Champions right. League? And I thought, like, like potentially, they, they could challenge for it. Yeah. But it does feel a bit cart before horse. Yeah, for a team that uh, has had an infamously bad relationship with the Champions League last 16, even before the recent hiatus from being yeah. in the last 16. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I, and I think there is still people misunderstand how European football works. And yes, of course, having the richest squad with the most money put into it is going to give you the best chances of winning. But I think European football plays differently to domestic football um, for everyone. And and that adjustment isn't always straightforward. And I think Porto, who are routinely in the knockout stages of this competition, 
are routinely a very streetwise team. It was a streetwise performance. There was a lot of gamesmanship and killing the game, but Porto played the game they needed to and created the only two real chances of the game. So they deserve to get their win. I think what struck me is if we're talking about Arsenal underestimating Porto, going back to Michael's question, normally I, I, I would... I would totally agree with Nicky and say, yeah, I think it's more a, a, a media thing. But the one thing that makes me that think that Arsenal underestimated them a bit or Mikel Arteta underestimated them a, a little bit, I don't feel like he did his homework on them mm. at all. And for someone who's as meticulous, as well-prepared, as cerebral on every level as Arteta... Porto played exactly the way you would expect them to play. Mm -hmm. Now, there's in Portugal at the moment, they're they're saying, how can it be that you, you know, go to Oroca and and lose last week, and Pepe's there being like yeah. apologising in front of the cameras for, for for how bad they were, and then go and beat Arsenal a week later, or less than a week later, and. Like, like, I think, you know, maybe they weren't quite as bad in that game and they weren't quite as good in this game. But you always know what you're going to get with Porto and Concesau's team in a Champions League context. I got a text from the great Marcus Speller um, at, in, the, in the closing stages of that game last night before Galeno had actually uh, scored the goal. And he said, um, Porto always this physical. And I said, well, yeah. That they are. It's one of the things that it's almost a, a sea change in Portuguese football because not saying that Sporting and Benfica have looked to Conceição and the way that he's done things at Porto, but from a physical standpoint, yes, they definitely have mm. because physically they were never able Portuguese teams to match up with Premier League teams, but now they're a bit more athletic and what they did in terms of in terms of swarming them, that is exactly Porto's thing. And I thought they did that really well. But if you're Arteta, I think you have to have a plan for that. You can't well, you can't go into that game. They play exactly how you expect them to play and you don't end up creating anything. I, I think that's quite poor. I'd, I'd, I'd add one more layer to the complacency, which is one that I'm going to say purely is me repeating the knowledge of someone smarter, but I was doing the stand sport coverage of um, Champions League games last night with um, Mark Bosnich on, and Mark Bosnich obviously has been a top-level keeper and he was absolutely scathing of David Reyes' positioning on that Galena goal. And perhaps that is a little, yeah. bit, of, a little bit of complacency as well in, in your sort of end-of-game moment where you think, well, I don't have to worry about where I'm standing. And uh, yeah, Bosnich really thought that he was... Um, he was he, he, even though it's a brilliant goal from Galeno, he felt like the, the keeper gave it to him. So and and re really, the fact that they ended up with that shot anyway, it's just such a, mm. such well, a not really paying attention pass out by Martinelli, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Arguably, the goal wasn't the story of the game. I know football's a results game, but actually, the story for me is that Arsenal didn't get a single shot on target, Nicky. I, I think Andy's got a point there. Um, as physical as Porto are... There is no excuse for Arsenal not being able to place at least one shot that makes their goalkeeper, Porto's goalkeeper, work. Yeah, I, I do think you have to give credit where it's due to the defending. Porto were keeping men behind the ball and not letting Arsenal get in behind at all. There was, uh, felt like a never-ending sequence of, of set pieces that Arsenal had. And, and again, Porto managed those very well. Um, but of course, um, 
you can't win a game without putting the ball on target. And as we uh, perhaps saw in the other game of the night with uh, Napoli and uh, and Barcelona in what I felt was perhaps a very imperfect performance from both of those teams, having a centre-forward who will take that one chance for you is a big difference. And perhaps that's a, a different question of, of what is still missing from Arsenal squad. Still going to win the second leg comfortably, I think. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is from Ahmad, who says, is there a chance that PSV can go on a run in the Champions League? Yes. Andy? Yes, I, I, I think so. And despite the fact they didn't win the first leg at home to Dortmund, I think there's enough in that to say that, you know, that this this is a team that has, has improved a lot under under Peter Bosch. It's something that I didn't see coming, as, as, as we've discussed before. Um, but I think especially when going back to Arsenal, I went to uh, the game right at the start of this Champions League campaign where Arsenal absolutely flamed PSV. And it was extraordinary, really, because there was this in- incredible atmosphere around the Emirates, as there often is for a night match, which people don't always credit. And it was like, yes, we're back in the Champions League. And then they're 3-0 up in 20 minutes. And the edge comes off the atmosphere. It's almost like, well, it's quite disappointing that it's this easy, isn't it? <laughs> And so for for PSV to go on from that and get into the second stage, and yeah, of course, I think you can say that Lanz were a bit green and Sevilla have their issues this season if we're looking at the group. But they've they've still done a very good job to to do that. They they were really interesting, I thought, in the in the return against Arsenal as as as, as well. And I just I look at this and I, th- I think Dortmund talking of underestimating. The way that, as we saw it said in the main show, Mats Hummels came out and, and, and said, well, I, I look at them and they're really beatable. It's like, right, okay. Because to me, it feels like PSV were the better side by quite a distance. And I know Dortmund took the lead. I know Dortmund have had their complaints about the penalty, which I'm not sure about. I, I think it is a penalty in, in, in the modern era, to be perfectly honest. Um, but they, they, they definitely deserved it. And, um, you know, they, they with, with a bit more clarity in terms of finishing. I, I, I think they could have won that game quite comfortably. I think especially with the way goals not counting, I think they can go to Zignal Iduna Park and, and do something. Because with Dortmund, there's such a lack of pattern to the way they they play. With PSV, okay, there are limits. But there's identity. I'm not really sure there is that with Dortmund. I think there's talent, but I'm, I'm not convinced there's a collective identity. I think there's just some vulnerability to that Dortmund team as well and perhaps some of that is born out of complacency but at home in the league they've conceded 15 goals this season Mm. in 11 games and in the Champions League they only won one of their home group games so the sort of idea that oh well we'll go back home and we'll be invulnerable that doesn't fit with the reality of their season Does this not go back to what you were saying earlier on uh, Nicky that maybe it's the media that underestimates um, the teams uh, that are doing quite well because in... I think people it, have an idea of PSV's pecking order in the Champions mm-hmm. League, placing the pecking order in the Champions League despite being former champions. They're almost one of those clubs from the European Cup era that's been left behind by the financial mm-hmm. development You're of the European game. right. But they are the informed team in the Champions League. They haven't lost a game all season. And you would have thought that that would make them um, real... Well, strong contenders for this. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you're talking about them in a domestic context rather than a, a yeah, European of course. context. Yeah, but nevertheless. But, but, but you're, you're, you're right. They've, they've been brilliant and they've been brilliant 
having lost, as we said a couple of weeks ago, the best player in the Netherlands in, yeah, in, in yeah. Javi Simon. So apologies. It's, 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 re- it's really, it's really, really impressive. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen Peter Bosch. He's really unusual to be surprised by coaches in his fifties, mm. and I've been really surprised by him by staying with his principles. He's, he's actually produced it. Maybe it's down to the players. Maybe it's down to the this special group of players that he's got. But they, they, they feel, they feel very. Uh, Efficient, very smart, and very able to in-game workout problems. And they've me. got they've got goals in the team. I think is the critical yeah. thing, right? Because you're going to go to Dortmund, and I know away goals aren't a thing anymore, but still, more than likely, you're going to have to score, score. to win the game. Yeah. Um, and Luke De Jong scoring by the hat for the season, but you've also got Hervé Lozano, who, as I said to somewhere else the other day, I was sort of shocked to realise he's still only 28 years old. <laughs> um, but Goose Till, Sabay, I mean, all the way down the team, I think they've had like I'm looking now, it's 15, 16 different goal scorers this season. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. These are all interesting questions on Ask OTC because it can. Look, this from Callum. Can Bologna qualify for the Champions League and how big an achievement would it be if they did, Nikki? Um, of course they can, um, because we're into the final third of the season now, aren't we? And uh, they're level on points with Atalanta, who are fourth. Atalanta have a game in hand, but that game in hand is uh, a way to Inter. In fact, Atalanta's, Atalanta's next two games are away to Milan and Inter. So they're going to have some some tests on their plate. Uh, Bologna are, are, are really flying at the moment and have had uh, some some really big wins in, in the last couple of weeks um, or even in the last week beating Fiorentina and then Lazio back to back away from home against Lazio as well which well impressive really yeah. impressive and up till now that's kind of been the one um, black mark on Bologna's season is that they really haven't won away from home they've drawn quite a lot away from home but mm. they haven't won games away from home so to go to Lazio who were coming off their own big win over Bayern Munich in the Champions League and, and get that result was was really something they are without question a team that is more than the sum of its parts right now. Thiago Motta is absolutely uh, 
building reputation in Italy is a seriously, seriously good manager. Um, but they have got some individuals there who are doing brilliantly. Lewis Ferguson, we've talked about before on this show and is having a wonderful season there. Joshua Zerxe, who who both sort of created and finished the the winning goal against Lazio. They just have um they have a very clear identity and they have a very selfless group of players, I would say, including Zerxe, who I think that's the thing that stands out most about him, even though I think his talent is significant and he stands out because he's tall but very mobile and these things you don't always see in, in combination. Um, but I think that the selflessness of the team, the fluidity of the team, that I don't know if I can say they're the best coach team in Italy right now because Simone Inzaghi is doing such good things at Inter, but that they're right up there. Thiago Motta really has impressed a lot of people. I have a question for you off the back of that, actually. Going back to um, what Dotton was saying in the, the main OTC yesterday about um, the idea of this chain of coaches, um, the waiting for the first domino to fall. I mean, surely Thiago Motta is one that you talked about his the reputation he has in Italy. I mean, there should be clubs everywhere that are interested in him. I mean, he always, this is a bit of a fatuous thing to say, but there was always this sense when he was a player that he was this sort of, the way he thought around the game, especially after injuries diminished his physical state. And he still went on to have a great career afterwards, by the way, you know, part of PSG's, I would say, best ever midfield. He always looked as if he would, be a really good coach but he has proved that very very quickly bear in mind he could have gone last summer PSG were really interested in the idea of bringing him back as head coach mm. now I think we can so say so Napoli by the way and mm. as I've been saying this week perhaps he was the smartest man in the room looking around and going yeah no thanks yeah <laughs> Not right now yeah well I, I guess the question would be if he goes from Bologna at the end of the season where would it be because I can definitely see him being PSG coach at some point but unless something huge happens, I'm pretty sure Luis Enrique is still going to be there mm. next season. So that slot is not really open at the moment. Where, where's, an, where's an obvious spot? Because again, I would, I would say maybe you look at Inter, but that's locked down. You look at, actually, you look at Atletico Madrid mm -hmm. and that's locked down because Simeone had this huge renaissance in the, in, in the calendar year of 2023. And whereas at some point they would have been looking at a way to replace him. That's not the case anymore. So. Yeah. I think there's some interesting dominoes to fall domestically in Italy and, and that will perhaps define what could happen within the big clubs uh, within Italy, which is still the most obvious place for him to go next, just because you have an audience there that's been paying attention. I, I don't get the impression, for instance, that there are necessarily English clubs that would be looking at him and ready to take their gamble on him yet. Um, even someone like Bayern Munich would be ready to gamble on, on a manager who's got relatively little mm. um, experience, I suppose, compared to what they're used to hiring. Whereas, for instance, Napoli for sure would, would try again but the fact he turned them down last summer makes me think he would turn them down again What about Aroma? I think Aroma is possible although Daniele De Rossi is doing so well the question of whether that job's going to come up is mm. hanging in the air but I think there's a couple of really big ones that might even though Milan have really turned things around and been playing much better there is this enduring sense that perhaps Stefano Pioli's chapter there is going to come to an end this summer and Perhaps even he might consider a move somewhere like Napoli, even though that might seem like a step backwards, just because 
he's tired of being made out as a scapegoat purely as he often is by Milan supporters for some reason, despite really, when you take a step back, not bad results at all. Um, so if Pioli was to step aside at Milan, could I see a Milan going for Motta? Yes. Um, if Juventus were to get brave and say, actually, do we really want to commit to another year of Allegri ball or do we want to aspire to try to play something more modern and, and different, then I could see Juventus being a destination. But all of those are very speculative for now. And I think that that is definitely where his market is going to be strongest because everyone in Serie A has seen what he's done. But at the same time as that, because he is also an international figure and because mm. that experience of Paris, maybe there are opportunities further afield. Maybe, heck, maybe Bayer Leverkusen, if Xabi Alonso leaves, mm. could be an interesting fit for wanting to bring in another progressive manager who's going somewhere. I don't know. They're going to be so let down when he turns up for training on the first day and go, yeah, Xavi used to pass the ball better than that in training. <laughs> uh, this from Paul. Uh, why exactly have the fans in Germany been protesting about the media rights deal? Um, well, these protests have been going on for a, a number of weeks. What happened is there was a, a, a DFL, that's um German Football League uh, member vote. All the clubs had a vote as to whether they wanted to pursue the idea of outside investment. Now, of course, the scope for outside investment is limited in the Bundesliga because of the 50 plus one rule, where theoretically, in the grand majority of clubs, there are a few exceptions like Wolfsburg and Bayer Leverkusen and, to an extent, Leipzig. But um, the, the members should hold the biggest part of the, the, the club. So that is something that lends the fans a great deal of power and the fans are happy to have that. They feel that is a central tenet of um, of German football. Now, this DFL vote, which was passed very narrowly, um, said that the DFL would commit to um, pursuing outside investment in what they would set up as a, as a separate company to look after audiovisual rights, so media rights, so television, et cetera, um, going forward. And what they would do, similarly to what has happened in Spain and France already, is to sell a segment of those rights to an outside investor, so a private equity fund like CVC or Blackstone with two of the major candidates, for example. Um, so for 20, 20 years, they would have 8% of those rights for, say, a billion euros. Now... For the DFL, that's a way of getting an investment that they can't really do with selling off parts of the clubs, that the clubs can't do with selling off parts of the clubs because it, it just can't really happen in, in Germany, which is one of the reasons why the, the, the Super League plan never had any traction there because it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't get past the fans. And the, the, the thing is, the, the way that the fans have reacted to this, they, they see that as the thin end of the wedge. So what if you don't get the yield? What if the what if the private equity investors don't get the yield that they hoped for? Would they instead be looking to exert influence in different ways? Now, the DFL have always tried to calm it down and say, no, it's not like that. It will be safeguarded. But German football fans are, for the better, quite hawkish about this sort of thing. Now, we've had chocolates being thrown on the pitch, tennis balls, uh, last weekend, remote control cars, Whoa. which it turns out are very, very difficult to kick off the pitch. <laughs> and I th it felt like a bit, the last couple of weeks has felt like a bit of a, a breaking point because you've had players and players who 
on the whole, have sympathised with the fans because, firstly, you can't come out and speak out against the fans in any culture. That's ridiculous. But secondly, I think people understand the culture. So you had uh, Christopher Trimmel of um, uh, Union Berlin. He was uh, suspended and he's captain. He, He came out and talked about it when one of the stoppages was going on in Sky. This was the same weekend that his Union Berlin team scored the winner in the 25th minute of first half stoppage time because there was such an incredible delay. Now, they they made the most of it, Sky, and they interviewed him because he was banned while, while he was there. And he said, well, protest is meant to hurt. That, that's, that's what is meant to inconvenience. That's what is meant to happen. So even if it's a pain in the ass for the players, we just have to suck it up. Whereas last weekend, a couple of players, notably in when they were delays in either half in quite a few of the games and uh, when Dortmund played at Wolfsburg you had Emre Can and Nicolas Fulkrug come out and say we, we can't put up with this anymore we can't, we can't play in this and this week in what was just a huge victory for German football fans the DFL said right okay we've, we've scrapped all of this we're not going to do it anymore and I think at least part of that is because the private equity investors must be thinking this is nothing like it was. It was it was easy for us in, in Spain France, yeah. and France where there was no protest. France, they desperately need the money. Spain, there's not that culture of of protest for fans' rights in 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 the in the same way. And it just goes to show what a peculiar and individual case the Bundesliga is, really. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. This question from Tom, what credentials made Marseille think uh, Jean-Louis Gasset would be a good fit to replace uh, Gennaro Gattuso? Well, uh, first, before before we pursue that, Nicky, what's the feeling about the end of Reno's latest <laughs> adventure in Italy? I credentials made them think Reno Gattuso was the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, That's another question. Maybe credentials just aren't being used. Um, oh, I think there's... Gattuso is one of these figures, and actually this might be part of the answer of, of why they wanted him in the first place. He's one of these figures who within Italian football, and this might seem shocking to uh, to fans who in England who remember the the clash with Joe Jordan, but he has a tremendous amount of goodwill within Italian football. I think mm. even in his managerial stops where nothing has gone quite as well as, as it was hoped, um, obviously with Pisan and uh, Milan and Napoli, one of the things that came out routinely was how well liked he was among his players. I think he's always managed to sustain that. And so of course the the news of another job not going well for him in Italy, that's people who know him and are familiar with him are, are rooting for him and are disappointed that it didn't go well. But I don't think there's any shock either. He's not someone who has really in any of those stops made a great impression as a manager. But you know we we always say when we're talking about coaches, such a part of your coaching success with coaching career success, he's picking the right jobs. Mm. He seems to willfully pick really <laughs> difficult ones. I mean, th- th- it was almost impossible to succeed uh, yeah. in this, right? Yeah, I mean, I, that's because that. of Marseille, because of their record yeah. with coaches, yeah, well, and, and because because they're a mess at the mm. moment. And I, I think that's the interesting thing. I think a lot of people will look at this, um, and I, I guess reading between the lines, that's the kind of hint in Tom's question: Why would they think that Gasse? The seventy-year-old guy. I knew it was Gasset. Who just got? I'm blown a gasket. <laughs> who just got fired by the Ivory Coast, or did he jump, or was he pushed? A bit of both. Um, at the end of the group stage in the African Cup of Nations, and of course they they go on to win the tournament, where they lose four 0 to Equatorial Guinea, and he goes. 
I think it's easy to look at it and say, why Why would Marseille do this? You know, we talked about getting rid of a coach at this point in the season rather than limping through with a lame duck, going back to what we were saying about Thomas Tuchel and, and, and Javi yesterday. Now, I don't think there is the possibility of continuing with a lame duck coach at Marseille because it is such a combustible environment. But on the other hand, a lot of people would say, Gasset's appointment shows you that there's just no one out there who's willing to take on something so prickly at this point in the season. Having said that, the response to a, a lot of Marseille fans, of, of a lot of Marseille fans to this, are, we can see the sense in it. It's a safe pair of hands. Now, obviously, some other Marseille fans have said, okay, we've had everything already this season and now they've appointed Joe Biden. <laughs> but... That is cruel. I, wow. I, 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 I think you look at Gasset and there's things not to recommend him. So the recent history, what happened at the Ivory Coast? The Does fact he even that, remember that, given that he's Joe Biden? Well, yeah. The, the, the fact that he's been mainly an assistant coach at perceived domestic rivals like um, PSG, which is definite no-no, um, Saint-Étienne, Bordeaux, etc. But I think you look at the fact that they've gone for the, the glamour appointment so many times in the past. So whether that's um, San Paoli or whether that's Bielsa or whether that's, um, whether that's to an extent Gattuso, you know, slightly exotic, a name rather than necessarily someone. It felt to me like Gattuso was on the market. He was a name of, of substance. So let's give him the job. Mm. It never seemed to fit. It never seemed to make sense. It wasn't set up for him to succeed and he wasn't the right coach for them to succeed either. Whereas Gasset knows French football brilliantly. Those who are familiar with the oeuvre of Laurent Blanc will know that a lot of Laurent Blanc's success, particularly at PSG, was when Gasset was doing the tactics for him. He's got a very, very sharp tactical brain. And when you look at Laurent Blanc's efforts without Gasset, well, look, the less said about them, the better. He's never been quite the same without him. So look, they're in an awful hole at the moment. But someone who can get simple tactical ideas across. And he has some good players there. I don't think it's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Obviously, the optics of it are awful. But the optics of everything that's happened at Marseille this season are awful. So I think a lot of people in there are willing to give him a chance. And if the fans are willing to give him a chance, well, we give the board five minutes piece at least, won't it? You see, I didn't think it was a brilliant question, but it elicits such a fantastic answer that encompasses so much. I say bring on more questions like this. So thank you very much, Tom. And thank you for listening to Ask OTC. And if you'd like to ask a question that you can... Um, that we can answer. You can contact us at any time at Radio Dotton, at Andy Brassel, at Nikki Bandini, or at OTC Pod. And you can email us, OTC at footballramble.com. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.